0: Hello, and welcome to the Fad and Dad podcast. I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. His friends call him Fad. I'm Joshua Burks.
1: His kids call him Dad. And we're the Fad and Dad podcast, where faith is meaningful.
0: And wit is an occasional guest. Oh, man. Wait, Liz is pregnant?
1: No, not that I know of. Oh, okay.
0: Because that would be breaking news on the Fat and Dad podcast.
1: <laughs> Trust me, this will be this will be place one point zero. That'll find out.
0: <laughs> You'll tell your parents, and then you would tell us. No. <laughs> you tell us, and then you tell would your parents. That would
1: be perfect if that's how they found, if that's how Deb found <laughs> out that she was having another grandchild. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, Just like straight Dev- up, Hey Mom, we're pregnant. <laughs> she, she's upstairs right now, so I can't say it too loud. I'm surprised she hasn't <laughs> already like burst through the door.
0: What? <laughs> does she does she listen to fat and Dad?
1: I think she does. I
0: think oh. we gotta. Oh, we thank you. Anyone, Our dozens and dozens of listeners of the fat and dad podcast i'm father andrew dickinson
1: i am joshua burks i am the dad of fat and dad
0: and uh we're here with the final not countdown it's the but the final letter of iggy of saint ignatius
1: it's been a fun ride to... with ignatius Ooh, i and cut you my... off i cut you off what no, is our no. final letter
0: th- th- uh from saint Ignatius to saint polycarp boom at least i assume it's saint polycarp yeah Good. yeah a safe assumption although i mean when they wrote it they weren't saints
1: no they're trying to be
0: yeah so if you happen to be listening to this and you don't know that about like catholic life you're not a saint till you're dead yes yeah and so uh and in fact it's only after you're dead that uh your life can be proposed at least now formally speaking that your life can be proposed but even in the earliest days of the church well, they might have called someone, you know, my dear holy ones like St. Paul does in Ephesians. And a lot places. of them.
1: Yeah. I was, I was just going to say that the flip side of this coin is that maybe they did call each other saints because that seems to be the True. more, uh, you know, St. Paul refers to the living as saints, the holy ones. Right. But then there be, but there became a, a formalized process of, of canonization right. as time went on.
0: But pretty quickly, like to be someone that you would formerly, at, uh, in a formal way, venerate their memory, mm-hmm. uh, it was only for the dead,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yep. right? That because of this sense of uh, personal sin uh, and the reality of salvation or hope of salvation, uh, the church, you know, very early on wasn't... Uh, saying that Bob and Susie are saints. You might be holy mm-hmm. in the sense of you're striving for your life and your love of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. but you're not a saint.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Fair? Fair.
1: Very fair. Or
0: in Greek, uh, so the word saint in English comes from the Latin word santos. Oh, Susie, that's the Spanish word santos. Sanctus. Sanctus. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? Oh. Um but yeah, so the Latin word sanctus mm-hmm. and the Greek word
1: hagioi would be holy ones or hagios. Holy
0: ones, hagios. Yeah. And so, so does that mean that the Scottish meal haggis is a holy meal? Isn't that
1: like sheep stomach?
0: I think it's like like like, like stuffed with other like meats. There
1: is nothing holy about that. <laughs> 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 Unless someone looked at it and went, "Holy crap!" <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you we just earned us say uh, explicit language rating uh, on Spotify.
1: <laughs> Do we need to bleep that out in post-production?
0: <laughs> I don't have the skills. Oh, man. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, well, welcome to Fat and Dad in our last Ignatius uh, talk through here. It, so this is, at the end of Ignatius' letters, or his, his commonly recognized letters, um, this is a more personal tone that we get. Uh, as he writes to his, his friend and fellow bishop, Polycarp. And I thought it was really interesting. I, I, I noticed this just in the in the text itself, in the life of the text, uh, and also obviously in the footnotes of the edition that I'm reading, is that I caught uh, three, at least, explicit references to the pastoral letters of First and 2 Timothy. And I found that to be really fitting, uh, because in the letters of Timothy, we have St. Paul bishop writing to Timothy, a younger bishop, uh, exhorting him in how to tend to the faithful and live uh, in his episcopate. And so I just found that um, really interesting and edifying as a a unique quality of this letter that... um, If memory serves me right, it's not like the letters to Timothy really sprung up in a lot of his previous letters, but now that he's exhorting his, I I think, younger and fellow bishop, uh, it's really cool that it kind of took on the spirit and and even the the text and the specific exhortations of St. Paul to Timothy.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And showing how even uh, St. Ignatius as an early church father uh, saw that as a pastoral. yeah. Uh, those as pastoral letters
1: yeah and the, the biblical teacher in me because uh, I've never Ooh. noticed this in in first and second Timothy I don't like to do <laughs> I don't like to do a ton of like historical digging up but you know modern scholarship likes to make a big ado about who wrote this and when and did Paul actually write it and you know you'll you'll hear some say that the the pastoral letters weren't actually written by Paul but but written a hundred maybe even 200 years later just in Paul's um, kind of in the spirit of Paul in the legacy or the school of Paul but I don't we have Ignatius here at the turn of the very first century quoting first and second Timothy uh, so there there has to be some oh I don't want to call it proof but at least a, a hat tip to the circulation of these letters by by the end of the first century
0: yeah which would kind of fly in the face of some of those later datings
1: yeah. And that's why I
0: like that whole uh, scriptural dating thing is maybe when your kids are over older and they're dating, we could have a podcast series on scriptural dating. <laughs> <laughs> but it won't be what anyone thinks it is. They're all going <laughs> to tune in because they want like tips on how to date, like the Bible tells them to date. Yeah, but instead it's yeah. just going to be, we're talking about, well, we think this is actually from uh, before 70 AD. <laughs> cause it doesn't talk about the destruction of the temple. <laughs>
1: Oh, how nerdy and great that would be!
0: <laughs> That'd be a dad joke of a podcast, right. series. <laughs>
1: literally. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. Um, I also uh, back to the, the scriptural references.
0: Oh, sorry, and it, sorry. no,
1: you're good. I um, I didn't know. I wish I could have pondered this a little bit longer. There are a lot of, and this isn't the first time I've noticed a lot of Ephesians creeping into um Ignatius in his letters but it seemed to be really prominent here in this letter as well and Ephesians is one of my favorite little letters because it just it talks about in the first half um, just the glory and the unity of the church especially uh, Ephesians is really the letter that we um, get the four marks of the church uh, one holy Catholic and apostolic or that sevenfold oneness of the church Um comes to us in the letter letter to the Ephesians. And these are things that we also see in, in Ignatius a lot. So I think you see the obvious influence of, mm-hmm. of St. Paul and Ephesians and these ideas really being expressed here in, in his exhortation to his his fellow bishop.
0: And that's pretty cool because this is an Ephesians, another one of those ones that has oftentimes a later dating as well. It by, is. Uh, modern scholarship. It is. I wasn't going to say it, but it is. So
1: yeah, really, really go. cool. More um, dating
0: advice from Fat and Dad. T- <laughs> Oh, I love it. It's not what you think. And it's not what you think.
1: (laughs) It's not what you think. (laughs) Which would probably draw people Uh, more like, oh, it's going to be really unique biblical insight. No, it's really just not what you think at all. It's not what you think at
0: all. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So should we dig into some of the things from the letter and then maybe uh, at the end, spend a little time talking about just kind of wrapping up. Yeah. Sangnacious. I mean, no one can contain Sangnacious, but we'll just wrap him up a little bit. Um, I mean, one last thing, though, This, as long as we're kind of been introducing this letter, just to remind everyone, is as far as we know, I think he wrote these all at like one time. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and maybe this is me putting a little too much academic spin on it, but some people might want to look like, well, how does, you know, Sanatius develop? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not much development. that's why we see a lot of consistency. Yeah. Um, and he probably was a really consistent person, but also because he's writing these all at like one short time and opportunity.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Yeah, just those those common themes of unity and endurance. They're cropping up in every single letter. Yep. Yeah.
0: And again, so his, his main concern is, of course, that he's a bishop and he's been arrested by the Romans, mm-hmm. uh, being going to be tried for treason. Uh, but so he has a concern for the life of the churches because that's yep. what bishops do. Uh, they're concerned for the life of the churches. So he's writing all these churches and now he's writing a brother bishop and that's very much on his heart as he begins his letter.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was this really great list, and again, this really came in the in the spirit of First uh, and Second Timothy, where Paul will often describe the qualities of a bishop. Where in section one, right off the bat, uh, Ignatius kind of dives into what are what are the qualities that a bishop should have, um, and there are a few. Just to, to summarize, uh, unity. No surprise from Ignatius. Make unity your concern. There is nothing better than that. Uh, he exhorts everyone to, or exhorts the Bishop Polycarp, to lend everyone a hand, uh, to be patient out of love, devote yourself to continual prayer, uh, to ask for continual insight, uh, to be on the watch, take personal interest in those you talk to, uh, so on and so forth. And I and I know you'll probably have some things to add here, but of this these uh, qualities, this list of qualities that Ignatius says a bishop should have. I just, I really loved, it's probably the least like formal of them, but he he exhorts Polycarp to take interest in those you talk to. Take a personal interest in those you talk to, is what my text says. And I just, um, this isn't really just experience talking, this is just kind of a general survey. Um, it, it's so easy, especially in church scenarios, uh, parish settings, diocesan settings, that everything is you can just too formalized and programmatic and almost just businesslike. And you have these formalities and you just kind of forget the person in front of you. And I adore just this simple exhortation just to see the see the human in front of you who you're with at the present moment uh, and take personal interest in them.
0: That's – I took a little different spin on it. Ooh, tell me. In the sense of uh, not so much the formalizing, right, which I think is a great point of just, like, reducing it or objectifying, I suppose, um, those that are in front of you in terms of, oh, I just got to get this task done Mm -hmm. for whatever it is for the CCD or the school registration or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, But I also was seeing that, too, and maybe it's because of my translation, a little different than yours, but – Almost more like the modern reading of it, where like when you're talking with someone like through technology, Mm -hmm. like with technology around and you're not actually with them, yeah, you're just not present with them, right? Mm -hmm. Because like there's other thoughts and other things going on in your mind, and uh, like you can blank out during a zoom, yes, you know, and like and all of a sudden you hear your name, like uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, that's that's a good question. Yeah, you don't a... want an innocent prayer? I mean, yes, I do want an engine prayer. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. A really good application, especially for us with technology. Um,
0: also, too, just because uh, yesterday, before we recorded this, uh, Apple released its, like, latest trade show thing. Oh, I saw that. So they had all this stuff about, like, you know, the new the newest VR. Yes. You know, because what we need is more virtual uh, reality.
1: It's so Weird.
0: But uh, I love. I also love too. Just like the forcefulness of his language. Yeah. At least in my translation, he says all these like strong active verbs.
1: Mm.
0: You know, uh, press on in your race to exhort all people. Do justice. Mm. Uh, focus on unity. Bear with all people. Endure all in love. Devote yourself to unceasing prayers. Ask for greater understanding. Keep on the alert. Speak to the people. Bear the diseases. Mm. Uh, I just love the way he's using that, like just such an active, make. he made his choice the active voice.
1: Yeah, my, where today can be so passive and, you know, I don't really want to tell you how to be Christian, um, Right. but here are some good ideas or you know, just like wh- whatever the spirit is calling you to do, like, no, here's some just really concrete things you can do to persevere yeah. in the Christian life. It's a great pickup.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, it's certainly a reflection of their age and our age uh, in that way. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I did love that.
1: Yeah. Um, I also, moving into the second section, (laughs) I loved this line. Uh, He says, It's no credit to you if you're fond of good pupils. Rather, by your gentleness, subdue those who are annoying. Uh, and, and it really reminded me of, of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, who, what, what credit to you is it uh, if you're not you know, praying for your enemies? Uh, paraphrasing, obviously. But just this exhortation to, to press on. Don't just put comfortable, happy people around you. Uh, but this very Christ-oriented mission of not only just the church, but especially of your episcopacy. Uh, to to continue to press on and by your gentleness sub- subdue those even who you know you might not uh, appeal to them to be a best friend at first but uh, these are the people that you're called to love these are the people that you're called to to tend to these are the people in your flock uh, so these are the people who who Polycarp is called to uh, to shepherd and to bring into this the flock his church
0: yeah. I love that line as well. Uh, and it made me think of, uh, I've been listening to the Catechism in a Year podcast. Yeah. And uh, I know Father Mike Schmitz listens to our podcast as well. Hi, yeah. Father Mike. Hey.
1: Hey. Good Good, uh, good to uh, be talking to you again, Mike. Yeah. Mike, 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 Mike. Sorry. Derailing.
0: Father Mike. Father Mike, Father Mike, Father Mike.
1: There
0: we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> Man, familiarity. Just... <laughs> You just think you can call him anything you want, just because you're familiar with him. I'm kidding. I don't. I don't know for sure he listens to us, but he, I'm sure he listens to good podcasts, and so
1: indeed,
0: he probably listens to us. <laughs> but um, so he. But uh, he was going through Catechism uh, 1098, uh, and uh, and it's funny because this ties in with something my spiritual director tells me to do, like every time I'm saying mass,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And so 1098 has the Catechism uh, has this in it. Uh, the preparation of the heart of hearts for the liturgy, is in the joint work of the Holy Spirit and the assembly, especially its ministers. The grace of the Holy Spirit seeks to awaken faith, uh, conversion of heart, and adherence to the Father's will. Mm. And so, uh, this idea, like in my heart, every time I'm praying Mass and every time Mass is being prayed, and my responsibilities with my parochial vicars, right? I'm praying uh, for hearts to be, uh, you know. Uh, Pierced uh, an account of their sins, right? Awakened mm-hmm. to God's desire for intimacy with them, that they would seek to follow the Father's will in all aspects of their life. Mm. Um, and that has to be part of our prayer for for all people in the life of the church because the church is not just the communion of the good,
1: yeah,
0: right? You know Pope Francis's phrase about um, the uh, field hospital. Field hospital. Uh, Flannery O'Connor has a better way of saying it, I think. Uh, that we don't go to church because we know we're good. We go to church because we know we're bad.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And and it's really also, I, I like with what you're saying, uh, rather by your gentleness, like subdue those, like win them over, draw them to this. Again, it's not a passive, um, just, you know, as long as you're just inviting, like that's. <laughs> it's, winsome. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah don't just be winsome passively winsome but in your gentleness right not forcefully but in your gentleness subdue them win them over yeah uh, so they they can experience that conversion through the liturgy and through through participation in Christ
0: amen amen kind of moving on i think in this just even in general like in all of his letters i was really struck in this one though by like there's this odd combination of a generosity but also still a desire to refine down what's going on in people's mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like a generosity of like, oh, you know, they're, God bless them. They're trying hard, but here's where we need to go. Mm-hmm. And just that kind of classic Christian spirit in that way of like loving the sin or hating the sin.
1: Yeah. yeah. That really reminds me of the seven letters in Revelation. Where mm, Christ, yeah. each one starts with uh, like the good that he's noticed in each community, and then he goes into what needs refining. Like, I admire your faith, but here's where you're lacking. Uh, and each of those seven letters follows that same pattern. So again, another Christ-like feature in, in Ignatius, even in his writing.
0: Yep. I think so the two I can like, like St. Augustine's writing, mm. uh, in that way, that same combination mm-hmm. in that. Um, also, have you, from our conversation, did you say you started to read uh, The Divine Project by uh, yeah. Ratzinger? Yeah. Okay. So okay, in that text as well, I think there's this like, oh, they aspire to something really beautiful, but they miss it. Yes. And here's how you would get. Here's how they'd get all the way there.
1: Yeah. Oh, Benedict was a, a master of that in his writing. Yeah. Or Ratzinger. But so was
0: Ignatius as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, one, one of the last things that, that stood out to me is uh, he's talking about um, without saying the word vocations, he's really talking about the uh, vocations of, of the priesthood and the vocation of marriage. Uh, in section three, four, I didn't mark it.
0: Um, five, five. well, a lot. I mean, five, he talks about marriage, like four, <laughs> he talks about the widows a bit,
1: sure. Um, but really, just kind of synthesizing the section, he talks about these these sacraments, the priesthood and, and Christian men and women being married in union with the bishop, that all of this may be done to advance God's honor. Uh, and I appreciate that even especially marriage uh, was, was coupled into this from from Ignatius' point of view, because it's it's at least maybe an easier jump to, to see the vocation of the priesthood as missional, like, for the people. Uh, but it's too easy to look at this vocation of marriage to be inward, right? This is for me, who I love, how right. I want to live my life and grow my family and, and be my loved. My fulfillment. And, yeah, but... but you it,
0: complete me. Chair <laughs> Maguire? But... No. Yeah
1: no wait no I think I've just heard it enough but I don't I don't think I've actually okay yep anyway so Ignatius just he really brings about this the missional aspect I think of the sacrament of marriage which if I'm not mistaken going back to my theology and sacraments right, we have the sacraments of initiation baptism Pentecost or <laughs> Pentecost <laughs> confirmation. <laughs> And the Eucharist, we have our sacraments of healing, which are uh, absolution and uh, anointing of the sick. And then we have our sacraments of mission, which are the vocation to the priesthood and the vocation to marriage. Yo. Like these, these vocations are missional. And as Ignatius is saying, uh, let everything be done so as to advance God's honor. So for a priest and, and for a spouse, can I, can I reflect, is my vocation being done so as to advance God's honor? Or am I doing this to advance my own honor? Uh, right. I, I really that was he hasn't really talked about that much in his previous letters, so that kind of struck me as, as something fresh, something something exciting, a little bit in this in this letter.
0: Well, I think he's indirectly talked about it, just in terms of his example, like you know, I I hope to be called a Christian when they feed me to the lions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Sure. Uh, so that humility. At the same time, because we've talked about before where he, you know, he recognizes the dignity he has as a successor of the apostles at the same time that he, uh, names his humility as a sin,
1: Mm -hmm. excuse
0: me, as a sinner, Mm -hmm. uh, in his faults and failings in that regard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, like on the end of five, uh, last part of five from where he's talking about marriage, um, you know it's proper for men and women who marry to be united with the consent of the bishop
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the marriage be in accordance with the lord and not due to lustful passions yeah. let all things be done for the honor of god mm-hmm. so just that uh, that idea of again of kind of the cath- catholicity of the christian call that's not catholicity in just in terms of like a brand but again this idea of like encompassing the whole of our lives
1: mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, well said. That brings us to the end. That's Iggy.
0: Boom. This is the end, my friends. That's
1: Iggy. Uh, maybe one last minute or so, just a, a thought or two. Um, any just last, whether it's this letter or, or Ignatius as a whole, uh, just some, some things that... Um, have come up as a as a note of gratitude or just new insights or, or things that you've just been living with since reading i mean how many weeks have we been reading ignatius together uh, it's been it's been a awesome couple of weeks
0: right i think for me uh the difference of reading them at different points in my life because i mean we we read parts of it all the time uh, every year and yep. uh what's called the office of readings that priests uh, have made promises to pray Uh, So I'm getting snippets of him. Mm -hmm. But to read them in like a concentrated form again was great Mm. because I think I used to read them more apologetically Uh, of like proving, explaining, why do we do things as Catholics? Well, we do things like we do as Catholics because, I mean, this dude back like not even 70 years after the resurrection uh, is doing what we're doing now. You know, right. talking about the Eucharist, talking about bishops, priests, and deacons, and without them, no community can be called the church, and things like that. But now I think more and more just of like noticing his spiritual tone of like how he carries it. and those other things are still true. Right. But just my my attention is drawn more to, you know, his spiritual tone of his humility, mm-hmm. um, the boldness of what he asks of Polycarp. Right. We talked about those active yeah. verbs, um, and just. Seeing also, too, like his humanity about like, you know, even if I begged you not to feed me to the lions, listen to what I'm writing now. Don't listen yeah. when he's writing to the church in Rome. Don't listen what I say then. Listen to what I'm saying now.
1: Yeah. Um, one thing that stood out to me here at the end of especially writing to Polycarp uh, is just this organic relationship that they – uh, allowed themselves to have this this mentor-like relationship of bishop to bishop. Um, and, it, and it made me think against, this isn't really well formulated, but uh, going back to that idea of, of things being um, the temptation toward being the business-like, like a, a parish or a diocese or even just the Christian life can become programmatic. You know, there are so many good programs out there that... Um, that help you learn the Christian life. That help you enter into discipleship relationships or, or discipleship groups. Uh, but there's just there was nothing programmatic about this relationship between Ignatius and Polycarp. It was just uh, an organic effort to uh, pursue Christ together and exhort one another. And especially there, there seems to be you know a generational or an age gap, like Ignatius the elder exhorting Polycarp the younger. And so I took that and I want to continue this practice in my life and as, as an exhortation to uh, anyone out there is just to be able to find these organic relationships in life where uh, people who have um, perhaps walked this path before you can speak wisdom into your life. Who Those people who can use like those action verbs like you were talking about, who are the people in your life that can speak uh, and exhort into your life Um and, and draw you closer to Christ. Uh, I just I, I loved that about this letter and that dynamic from it.
0: Cool. We all need <laughs> someone to uh, we need we, we need true fraternity fellowship.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Just... There's a makes me think of us much much later than Saint Natius, a Russian Saint uh, John Climacus. Mm-hmm. A man can be damned by himself, but he can only be saved with others.
1: Boom sauce. Yeah. I like that. So what do we do now? Next up, we're gonna turn the ship a little bit—not too far, because we're not leaving our Ignatius Polycarp duo. We're gonna read the martyrdom of Polycarp. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, a really spoiler
0: alert. You mean he's dead? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we'll find out, right? Okay. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're gonna read the uh, the account of Polycarp's martyrdom. Next, full, I th- and I think we made this pretty clear at the very beginning of this podcast, our attempt is, or our aim is not to hit every single word written by every single church father. Uh, so there are going to be things we're going to be just synthesizing and maybe skipping around a little bit. Yeah. Um. So we're going to look at the martyrdom of Polycarp, and then we have a few, a few things ahead of the road, like the Didache, um, some unpronounceable things, <laughs> and also a uh and justin martyr is going to be coming up soon and he's going to be a big one yep uh and a fun i one. love saint justin Martyr. yeah yep. Yep. um but yeah thank you saint ignatius of antioch for for these blissful um weeks of reading reading his letters
0: and again you can if you wanted to uh i don't think we've ever maybe not again for the first time uh if you ever want to read yourself uh listeners uh, of what we're doing before we do it, we're going to be doing the martyrdom of Polycarps. You could f- mm-hmm. clap on your keyboard and figure out a little, uh, um, just niche. like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can probably find a copy, an online version. Uh, you don't have to pay any money and just yeah. read it for free a little bit and just, uh, uh, check it out ahead of time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the cool thing about, especially these really early letters is a lot of them are online. Right all righty blessings
0: god bless y'all